Okay. Oh, yeah, she's a she's a tough lady. She is. Let's pray for Deborah. We know she's just a walking miracle anyway. So we need to continue to lift her up. She's a fighter. Um, need to pray that the Lord would just touch and move many, many people with sickness. We'll pray for Deborah. Let's just open in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord God. I pray, Father, right now that you would move, that you would touch, Lord God, that you would give traveling mercies to those who are traveling, God, and those who plan to travel for the holidays. I ask, Lord God, that you would be with them, guide them, let your hand be upon them. I pray, Father, for Deborah right now. We lift her up, Lord God, specifically, and ask that you would touch her body. We speak healing, Lord God. I pray that her blood count would regulate, Lord God, and she would the fever would go away, Lord God, the infection, Lord God. You know every part of her body, and I just speak healing to it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would be with everyone who is suffering from the flu, Lord, Lord, from COVID, whatever the case may be. I ask your touch, God, that you would restore us to health, God. Protect us. Go with us. We ask, God, that you would send your mighty angels to guard us. God, go before us and behind us, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place right now and ask that you would open our ears to hear, eyes to see. Give us revelation knowledge, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews 10. We're going to visit a few scriptures there. You read my mind. Hebrews 10. We're going to visit a few scriptures there. And then we'll move around a little bit. We're still talking about faith from the unseen to the seen. Moving from a seen to present reality. A seen to present reality. From an unseen reality. To present reality. This is the foundation of a faith walk. Now, as the Lord has shown me this, I can see it everywhere in the Word of God. Just instances. For instance, one you'll be familiar with. The situation where there were 5,000 people who needed to be fed. And so, Jesus sets up the whole problem. You know, they fought, he sets the problem up. Yeah, he tees it up on a problem. And he says, okay, Lord, you know, one of the disciples comes, says, Lord, we need to send them away. You've been with you. They're hungry. You know, this, this campaign, this revival meeting has gone on for three days. They said the people need to go and get something to eat. What he was saying was, this is, he was a Mike Sanders. What he was saying was, I'm hungry and tired. You know, and he's saying, the people are hungry and tired. <laughs> Right? That's, that's, that's why you would do it. That's the way egalitarian people do things. And so then the, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Let's just feed them all. So Jesus sets up the whole scenario. And, what he, and then the answer was the obvious answer. If we had this much money and this much food, do you realize the impossibility of this? Like, I think that the, the disciple was like, Jesus, you're super spiritual, but let's get practical for a minute, shall we? How many of y'all, you know what I mean? And so what he did was the disciple moved from a past to a present reality. His present, he was deriving his present information from his past. And it's, that's what your, see, your past has developed all your circumstances. 
He had never seen this happen before. He knew the process of taking a seed and putting it in the ground and growing wheat and then threshing wheat and the whole thing and grinding it and how long. that Or fish. They were fishermen. They knew the process of putting their boat on the water and taking their nets and unfurling them and bringing in fish. They knew this whole process. They knew the time that it took to produce grain to make bread and fish to make into a meal. So they lived from, he took the, the disciple when he was drawing his information, right? He was doing it all from the seen realm. And so he was making his decision in the present based on the seen realm. So he was living past to present tense. Faithless. Now, see, some people think, well, that's offensive. That's all we've got. See, to be, call you faithless, the Lord is showing me, and he show, he's shown me this. I've always thought when Jesus in the Gospels, he called someone faithless. That was like the slam of all slams, right? Oh, you have little. I was, that's how in my mind, I'm like, ugh, little faith. You know what I mean? Like a, in, a, in a very a mocking or derogatory way. Now, it's not, not really mocking, so we know Jesus doesn't mock, but how many of you know you supply the content for that. Yeah, you're mixing the Kool-Aid. That's right. So you're putting the flavor to his words. But since the Lord has shown me this, I now no longer look at the instances in the word of God where Jesus, and he, where he rebuked them even for their faithlessness. I mean, a rebuke for their faithlessness. What he is doing is he's trying to spur them to a place that they he knows they're capable of dwelling but he is saying why are you only living within the seen realm and deriving 100% of your information from here and bringing your present tense from your past tense and making you're just stuck in the same mode all the time so Jesus then, when he said, what do we have? We have five loaves and two fish. Perfect. That's more than enough. Now he stepped from this scene realm, though he's in the scene realm. He's deriving his information. This is so important. Deriving his information from a future place, a eternal place. And he's taking that information and doing what with it? Bringing it into his present. So he's living future present tense. That's faith. And so that's how faith works. So the Bible says things like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of the, so this, so past, present tense is the scene realm. Future, present tense is the, the unseen realm. So whenever we 
bring forth a behavior, a doing, an action, a work that we have derived the information from the seen realm and it is now we're manifesting that behavior, that act, that thinking, that doing right here. If it's being derived from the circumstance and our experience, then it is faithless. But if we take the same circumstance, our present, and we derive our thinking, our doing, our working, our activity from a realm that we don't see, we evidence, we are the evidence, the demonstration of the unseen, the unseen. That's how this works. See, the canvas that faith is painted on is you. The canvas that faithlessness is painted on is you. Because you're a gate. That's how you're made. Okay, so there's no faith in living in the past. Right there. We could just stay right there. Man, we could just we could shout and go home and live in victory the rest of our life. And the past is what you can see. See right there it is. The past is what you can and have seen. This is heritage, history, and habits. I mean, this is just, I mean, this is just simple Bible. So I have prayed that the Lord give me a revelation of faith for how long, Mike? And I've been working. You have no idea how many lessons I have written on faith, and the Lord would not let me teach them because he's like, you don't have it yet. I knew I didn't have it yet. And then I just stumbled around. That's what I feel like I'm doing sometimes. The Lord drops something, and I'm like, and then it becomes what was so complex to me becomes so utterly simple that I would have to be an idiot to miss it. That's how, that's how I know. Then I know I've got the Lord because it's so, it got so simple that I can't, you know, that he can even teach it to me. So there's no faith in living in the past because it's, it's faithless. It's the faithless realm. Why? Because it's seen. When the past dictates your future, you are living in faithlessness. Okay. Now, Hebrews 15, I'm sorry, 11.15. I didn't bring my glasses because I changed my purse because I went to the wedding last night. Yeah, Mike, you got them? I did say 10, but we're going to move back and forth from there. We're going to start at 11. Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, the latter part of 10, all the way through 11. Gosh, could you get me dirtier? That's fine. <laughs> you get what you get. When I did what I did, I got what I got. Okay, I'm going to back up and read to 13. Now, this is the Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Fame of Faith. Okay, let me get my, my Kleenex out. All these, all the ones he's already previously talked about that we're not going to go back and read, all these died in faith without receiving the things promised. Wow, that right there will get you, won't it? They died in faith without receiving the things promised. So there are elements of the promise that they did not receive, yet all through their life they, were, they did mighty things because of faith, but the ultimate fulfillment of the promise they did not ultimately receive, but faith still caused them to excel greatly. But they saw them and welcomed them from where? Afar. Where's that? 
That's the future, right? It's the unseen. They welcomed them from afar. And so the life they lived in their present tense was based on the information they saw from another realm and they manifested in great exploits in their life. You'll see in this, it's so stupid simple. Okay. And they saw them and welcomed them from afar and they confessed that they were strangers and sojourners on the earth. So what they welcomed from afar, they lived, and what else they do? They confessed what was not as though it was. Okay, that wasn't even in my notes. That's good, though. Okay, many of us just confess what we've already seen, and it is. We confess what we've already been through, and it is. We confess what we experience, and it is. For those who say such things, for those who want such things, ooh, what are you saying? What are you saying? For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking, your saying and your seeking are linked, a homeland. If indeed they had been thinking, oh, now we got saying, we got seeking, saying, and now do we got thinking about where they had come from, they would have had opportunity to return. As it is, they yearn. Now we got desire. We got saying, we got confessing, we got thinking, and we got desire. They yearn for a better land that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed. He's gratified. He's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. From the unseen. Okay, so that gratified. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That word is often stumped me because in my human intellect, I think of pleasing. I'm probably much like y'all. You know, some if we say someone's not pleased, we we kind of label them as hard to please, persnickety, um, just always mood. You know what I mean? When someone's hard to please, like you pleased them. You know, I wore red and you liked red. Then I didn't wear red and you. And then I wore red again, you didn't like. You know what I mean? That's how we kind of humanly think about someone who can't be pleased. It's a very negative thing. Or someone who, oh, I'm pleased. And it has the reverse connotation of a person. A person who is pleased has a reverse con uh, connotation of one who can't be pleased. Am I, is that right? In the Hebrew, the word pleased, it means gratified. Well, that means, that, that doesn't really mean a whole lot to us too. So I, the Lord gave me an illustration of this. A few years ago, Mike and I went to Kentucky to see the ark. And so we went, we stayed in Frankfort, Kentucky, and it's the capital of Kentucky, and we went. It was a cute little quaint town. I recommend everyone go to Kentucky, go to Frankfort, great town. And so we stayed at a little Airbnb downtown, and we were walking downtown, and there was a pottery studio downtown. I love pottery. I love it. The more natural and organic it is, the better. And so this was a great place. There was a pottery studio in there, and they were all, there was a classes, and they were teaching, and they were throwing clay back there, and you could see them in the back, and they were doing it, and people were instructing. And then they were taking their wares, and they had a, they had a gift shop up front where they were selling them. Now, this stuff is not cheap, you know. I mean, it's, you know, but, you know, a cup's going to cost you a little south of $20. So, you know, you can get it, and you're there. He's like, what, you pay $20 for a cup? Okay. Okay, well, good. Okay, so $20 for a cup. So, you know, you're there and you want to, you're appreciating the fact, I love pottery, I appreciate the handmade quality 
And so I'm looking, I'm scanning all, the, now there were much expensive, there were platters and bowls, and we got up into the hundreds there. But I'm like, I'm in a cup budget today. So I, and I love cups, so I'm looking through, and I'm looking at the cups, and I'm just looking and looking, and I keep, there's several I like, right? I like several. And I'm looking at it, and I'm putting it back, and I'm looking at this one, you know, and I'm like, oh, which one do I want? And finally, you know, the woman at the cashier, she's watching me make my selection. And so I finally, and I'm like, no, no, yet no, I'm getting this one. And I go to the counter, I want this cup, and she beams. She's smiling. She is so excited. She said, you chose the one I made. And I bought it. You see what happened? I pleased her. I gratified her. So see what I mean now? Without faith, it's Im- Now put that into context. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He, I love that. It's as if the God who lacks nothing has left room in his personage for me to gratify him with something I give. Isn't that good? He's waiting at the cash register, watching me as a free moral agent make my selections. And when I choose him, and I I say, I choose you, he's like, that gratifies me. And he beams with delight. Now, without faith, Faith is the unseen realm living future to present, and that is what gratifies God. When we choose to live and to assess our circumstance, not from our circumstantial evidence, not from our past, but we assess our circumstance from a realm that is not seen. It's like, I want you to think about that. It's like bringing that cup up to the cash register and the woman who's working the cash register that day made the cup. And she was so gratified. She was happy for me to choose her cup. I don't think it had anything to do with $20, do y'all? I think all the money actually probably went to source this little endeavor that they were doing. It was, I chose her work. I said, that out of all I could choose, I said, that's my favorite. Yeah. And I, so when you choose to believe God, you say, God, of all the things I could choose, of all the things I could choose in this, uh, in this same realm, and I could choose many, many ways to operate. But instead, I choose your ways. That's why Moses says, show me your ways, Lord, because I want to choose your ways all the time. And the Lord, when you choose his ways, he's so gratified. His heart swells. And somehow, God has made it where you can complete him, and he lacks nothing. Do you all see that? I mean, that to me is phenomenal. So the not seen, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, be gratified, be pleased in the seen realm in my life. I'm the canvas for your pleasure. Let this divine abode, this divine abode is my life, my body, the totality of my being, be a portal, a gateway to bring forth what is unseen to the seen. I manifest the unseen to the seen. 
and let my life release pleasure to you because I take from what you have and I just manifest it. I love that. Okay. Demonstration provides evidence. Here, John 1, uh, 1 John 4.20. You can write it down. You can go there if you want to. You'll know this scripture. It says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. I mean, people call me direct. That's pretty direct, isn't it? For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen, see, has seen, whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. You manifest God. You manifest God in the scene with how you treat people. And who's your brother? Yeah. Now, when you manifest your behavior to a brother or a sister based on what's in the scene. Now, this gets me just as right in the goat right where it gets you. You manifest your behavior to a person based on what's in the scene, how they have manifested behavior to you. You are faithless. I am faithless because I am presenting seen evidence. I'm manifesting seen evidence by treating them the way they treated me. But Jesus said at Sermon on the Mount, you should, you know, anybody can love those who love them. It's love, you know, love your enemies. See, what, you, what it takes to do that, you are taking characteristics from God in the unseen and you're manifesting love to those you should clearly not manifest love to. What are you manifesting? You're manifesting God. You're taking from an unseen. See, you're the canvas for this. You're the canvas. You're no more spiritual than you are able to love those who are unlovable. I'm saying this gets me too. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard, but see, if, we, if I run it through, you see, it's hard. It's, well, here it is. The Lord's correcting me right now. It's only hard when you see it as profunctatory. As a duty driven. That's what the Lord just told me. It's only hard. Yeah, it's only hard when it's, that's, that's where we go. Duty driven is perfunctatory. It's only hard when it's just perfunctatory. You know, it's just duty. I do it not because I want to. I do it because I have to. And, and I get it. There are times in my life I do it not because I want to, but because I have to. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? But the Lord is showing me. He's showing me. I can manifest a level of faithfulness that operates naturally, supernaturally. When I receive, when I'm so closely united to him, that it's his being that is loving through me. And I am as much cognizant of the fact that I don't own this kind of love. And it's, I'm just, I'm as shocked as the next person when I'm acting like God. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? So it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all. And then I'm just like, Dad, God, God, I'm acting just like you. He said, that's faith, baby. You see what I'm saying? And there, I'm not saying there are times, and I, I, 
I'm, I know, I do things. Sometimes. I'm not feeling it, but I'm doing it. And I'm hoping that the feeling and the doing are going to. But there's a, you know, I strive. I strive in a, in a righteousness, striving sort of way. You know what I mean? Not in a work, in a perfunctory duty sort of I strive because my desire is to manifest him more. Yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think it's the doorway to them as much as the doorway to you. You see what I'm saying? I don't think it's you. He's like, I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it. I think that's the doorway to you. I don't think that it's so much because you may never change them, but there's a doorway to you where you learn. You have something that comes alive in you where you learn to love beyond what love even is the your human capacities to love. It starts flowing to you, and then it. All of a sudden, it's a God, it's a agape kind of love. It's not even yours. You can't even claim it as your own. It's not coming out of you, and they don't even have to reciprocate it. They don't, it, it can be unrequited love, as if you will. In other words, not reciprocated love, and you still can't turn off the flow of it. You can't turn it off. You're like, they won't even reciprocate this love to me, and I have lost the switch in my own life. I just still love them. It's like God's kind of love. For God so loved the world, no matter how nasty the, the people in the world were, God can't turn off. You see what I mean? That's an unseen kind of love. And so you're loving them. I don't care if they reciprocate it. I don't care if they ever say, wow, Tommy, you look like God, or wow, Andrea, you look like God. It's about I'm the canvas that the faith is being painted on. Ah, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the things unseen. I am the evidentiary body of that faith. Do you all see what I'm saying? I'm trying to evidence things all my life, all my life, my understanding of faith. I'm trying to evidence things that are outside of my person to be used by my person. And God's like, you just, you're just, if we could just get this thing lined up, the, you're the repository of what faith produces. I, I don't know how to say it anymore. I, I mean, this is, I'm going to keep moving just for a second. Living through faith or the unseen realm creates a paradigm shift. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, if you could just imagine this is something, I'm going to jump over here to another document that I wrote because I can do this now. Maybe. Okay. I can do this. Um, I want to read this to you. Visionlessness, because the Bible says without, without a vision it's impossible. No, without faith. Without a vision people perish. Proverbs 29 and 18. For when people do not accept divine governance, New Living Translation said they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Without a vision people perish. Visionlessness is a short-sighted past present tense living that is the quintessential definition of faithlessness. We've already said that. Vision is not about human imagination. You have to know vision is not about human imagination. Vision is Holy Spirit revelation. It's received in communion with him. This teacher guide advocate will help you not to live abstractly and consequently fall back into old habits but he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Sounds as though truth is a place you may have never actually been. The Holy Spirit spoke that to me. I've never saw this before. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you 
and guides you into all truth. When I, saw, when I wrote that scripture down, I'm just typing it out of memory. The Holy Spirit said, that's what he said, sounds like, play, sounds like truth might be a place you've never actually been. I went, what? So in other words, no, it wasn't even a smack. He was telling me that what I call truth from my perspective may be so marred with darkness that it's never really even true. I'm, you mean I'm going to need a guide? Like exploring a cave that I've never been in. How many of you would explore a cave you've never been in if you had the choice of a guide or no guide? I'm like, go give me guide, give me guide. If there, was a, if there was a guide, and this was a mysterious place you had never been, and the guide was like, it's cool. I've been there millions of times. I dwell there. Would you like me to show you? I'm like, you betcha, buddy. And so all of a sudden I began to see truth as I do need the Holy Spirit. You mean I couldn't find truth without my guide? That, for a know-it-all, that's revelatory. And so it's like this. I brought this little illustration. Tommy, come here. I need you to stand up. Now, don't look in the sack, okay? This is, we're going to call this truth, right? Now, when you're reaching into the things of God, hang on just a second. When you're reaching into the things of God, you're reaching into many times and you're exploring things that you've never actually, you don't have the grid for it. You know what I'm talking about? And when you feel things in the spirit, you, you need a guide for truth. That's why many people can get off into things in the spirit realm they may be new age, there's a spirit realm, and they may can do some stuff, but it's not a truth guide. You see what I'm saying here? So I just want you to fill in. Now reach your hand in, you don't look. Don't, and what's, what, oh, what the what? Do you hear him? What is that? Okay, it's enough. What did you freak? You're freaking out, right? You're like, what did I just touch, right? Because he had no idea because his, now this is how unseen works. I oh, can sit down. See how the unseen works? He said, what the what? Because he touched something that he had no grid for because his eyes, it was in the, are y'all getting this? It was in the unseen. Now, if I provide evidence of what it is, the mission, then I'll just look. All it is is little girls, um, it's, little, it's little ties for little girls' hair. It's my granddaughter's left it at my house. All it was is little plastic, little hair ties. And he reached in and touched it. He's like, oh. <laughs> See, that's, that is so often, like even we, if we move into worship, and you start, the spirit realm starts manifesting, and you start feeling things you've never felt before. I mean, so, some people just get so blown away by falling out. I want to go, people, falling out is nothing. I mean, there are levels of the spirit realm Come on, this is unseen. You're going to need a guide for this place. But see then, now I, now answer me this. Tommy, if I have you feel in there again, is the mystery gone? See, the Lord, the Bible says it is the, it is, help me with this, Mike. It is the pleasure of king, it is the pleasure to hide a matter. Glory. 
It is the glory of the Lord to hide a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. See, the Lord, the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. What makes the difference between called and chosen? Those who will take their glory to search out the mystery and not refuse to delve into places they don't understand, but will take the truth guide, the Holy Spirit in hand, and go into the unseen and realize there are, there are places in God, there are places in the unseen whereby you can receive it and bring it forth and manifest it to the scene. And that nothing, nothing gives God more gratitude more gratification than for you to take hold of his hand in the midst of your trial and tr struggle and to bring forth his plan forth in your own life than to constantly be going back to the places you've been before in the seen realm and just manifesting it. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is great. Not because I wrote this, but because he is teaching me so much. The woman at the well, living from future to present, living from the reality. Oh, this is good. i got to read this. You live from the reality of the resurrection. What is the reality of the resurrection? The right now reality of the resurrection. What is it? You what did you say? You resurrected with him, right? That's the reality of the resurrection. He was, you were co-crucified, and you were co-resurrected. How many of y'all believe that? That's just Bible. So you were co-crucified, and where is Christ now? So what are you? You're co-ascended. Now, how, how, how? Humanity. See, that's why Mike is so pushing it all the time, that Jesus came as a human man. He was God in human flesh. He, humanity had been greatly debilitated by a little thing that happened in Genesis 3. Sin, when he disobeyed God, that sin nature began to perp perpetrate on earth through Adam. So you have, you, have, you have Genesis 3, God created man in his image. By Genesis 5, you have Adam creating children after his own image. So sin's taking some movement. Now, and then what we have is that Jesus comes and he, humanity, that's just one fall. See, another fall was the, the watchers, Genesis 6. That was a problem too. Well, that was just part of Adam's fall. The watchers are the divine sons of God. The angels came down and they did some mixing. I don't know what this mixing was like. Guys, I don't know. Y'all may have more revelation than me. The Bible calls the mixing a sex act. But I'm not sure it was, and I may be wrong, because I have studied this with, I mean, backwards, forwards, sideways. I've listened to every kook and every scholar online. And there's, I mean, I've been in aliens, I've been in, I've been all over the place. I'm telling you. So I have finally, just for my own peace of mind, I've had to come to a place where I just have to put those things I don't understand aside a little bit. And I have to say, Lord, I'm just going to, this is where I'm comfortable and this is only for my comfort. I'm saying, okay, the biblical authors describe this union as a sex act. 
because that would be their language that they would have for reproduction. You see what I'm saying? And so it may, the act may, not, may have been a union of another sort, but union nonetheless, that produced an offspring that were quasi-human, according to the Bible. Those were the race of giants. Yes. And so, I mean, that was a fall. Who fell there? Well, no, angels. That's the angels' fall. The, there were some angels' fall. Not necessarily at that time, but maybe. I don't know. See, we don't have a timeline on that. We just don't have it. We know that they're there, but we don't have the full timeline. And then there's another fall. Babel. See, Babel, God divided all of the nations and he put them, according to Psalms 82, under heavenly beings. He put all the names, he gave them all their languages, right? And he put heavenly beings over all the nations. What did those heavenly beings do? Not what was right. And so there was, there was more there that was in, conscripted into Satan's divine rebellion. So this was spiritual wickedness and all these things. So Jesus now, because God loves the world, and we human imagers have been reduced to ash. And we have unseen realm ruling over us. And how many of you know, if, you, if I were to ask you in this room, if you had any superpower, there would be probably a third of you who would pick invisibility. I would. I th- that'd be the greatest. Just And just slip around invisible? Come on, that's awesome. Some of you will pick up, you'll be flying, you'll be doing other things. But there's some people like me that invisibility is going to be like, if I could pick any superpower, be invisibility. gives you such an upper hand. Right? I can look over somebody's shoulder. They don't even know to cover their paper. So here, that's what, there is, a, there's this, when, when the unseen realm, unseen, invisible realm, operates in the lives of men, It's hard for you to navigate. You will sit in your bed. I'm just going to say it. You will sit in your bed and call what you have your depression as you are cuddled up with a demon. If you, if your eyes could open up to the demonic power that was influencing you, you would not be so kind to that demon. Its invisibility is what gives it its license in your life. Now, God didn't think that was fair. He loved the world. He didn't think it was fair that you could be so run amok by demonic forces that you could never get your eyes on. You see what I mean? He thought that was wrong. Because you were totally at their whim. Not you, that generation. Not you now. But unless you know this, you might as well be because it's the same as this if if it's never been changed. Because without the knowledge is what empowers you. So Jesus came, he put on, he stepped out of the unseen realm to the seen realm. How do we know he stepped in the seen realm? He put something on that we have. He put on flesh. He put on humanity. (laughs) He walked in this realm as a seen human being. He was limited by this mortal body. Do you realize the limitations he put on? He was limited to space and time. He was limited to what his brain could learn through from baby to adolescence to puberty 
to pre-adulthood. You see what I mean? He submitted himself to the learning process. He grew in favor with God and man. That means he learned just like men do. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. Lives in, but he, he put all that aside. He didn't operate that from that realm. Because that would be weird, wouldn't it? If you had a newborn baby who was omniscient or omnipotent, he didn't, you'd be freaked out, wouldn't you? Or omnipresent. Yeah. That's scary, isn't it? It was scary. But see, he didn't do that. He came in. See, he didn't subvert the system like the watchers had. They subverted the system. He stepped into the cosmos, this ordered system, just like every other human being steps in through the womb of a woman. He got his legal passport. He walked in to this place. He didn't just get legal access to this cosmos. This is what is really powerful. He got legal access to the place that every human imager now also had a destiny with. The grave. You see, Satan didn't understand the heart of God because he's blackened. He was darkened. And so when it says if they had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory because whenever Satan operated his, his scheme to crucify our Lord and Savior through humanity, they're the gates, it says that Satan operated and it says that by, he was crucified by the hands of angry men see men crucified him many of you believe that God crucified him the Bible says in Acts alone probably 16 times that he was crucified by the Roman government by the Jews by humanity <clears throat> he was crucified at the hands of angry men Jesus when he was crucified now of course, the Father had to let this plan go into play. It pleased the Father. This is hard for us to grasp because there was one, because he loved the world. And there was one domain that Jesus had to get. He came into the world alive. He had to go where? To the grave. Death. And he gained legal access because he came as a human Humans can die because sin brings death. He had to take, oh gosh, y'all. He had to take your sin. So, and he didn't just take your sin. He said, I'm going to die as a prototype for all humanity. I'm going to take you and 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 you what are we going to do in the grave? Well, there's an enemy I need to talk to there. And I need to gain legal access there. And so he took his legal access from heaven to earth, from earth to the grave. And the Bible says because he was righteous, the Lord did what? Resurrected him. And when he came up, who came up to? Because he was a human. Now, he is the new human head. The human race got a head transplant. That is true. 
Adam was the old head of the human race. Now Jesus is the new head of the human race. And he said, when I be lifted up, he was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up from the tomb, from the grave. He was lifted up from the earth, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And you have been lifted up too. When you take your faith oh, out of the seen circumstance of reality, you're so got so much of your belief in what Adam has done through your mama and your daddy and your ball-headed granny. You got it all there. Who they, I come from a long line of losers. You're taking all your stimuli, all your input right here. But he said, as I am, so are you. If you can convert your thinking and understanding and reach into the things that are not seen with your guide to operate in truth, and you can bring that unseen to the scene and manifest it, there is no devil in hell that can stop you. There's no past progenitor that can stop you. There's no poverty. There's no demonic assignment on you, on the life of your family. You are as victorious as Jesus is right now. If you don't believe that, you will never manifest it. Never, ever, 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 ever. <sighs> I'm not taking my information from there. I'm taking it from there. And it's in the unseen. But you possess it. <clears throat> yes. That's it. It's mine. It's not, I'm not operating from the seen. I'm operating from the unseen. And then while it may not manifest instantly, because you know what? Here's the thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. I got to look at my time. Thankfully, thankfully. Yeah, we got time. God does not give us the same power of our words that he gives him. And let me explain. Some of you are going to go, that's not true. He, thankfully, gives us the power in our words. There's much power in the words. I will never, ever, ever say that. But he, when he speaks, when God said, let there be light, what happened? Instantly. When God said he created and he said this, and psh, it was instant, right? Because he moves... His words move at the speed of light. Your, your words, thankfully, move at the seed of speed. No, at the speed of seed. Speed of seed. Because if you could manifest anything like God did that you said right there, <gasps> what mercy. <laughs> what mercy that you can't just act like God and you can't just say something and it's there. You see, you do say things, but God allows us <clears throat> this beautiful thing. He gave us days. <clears throat> Excuse me. And days is indicative of time. And time has seasons. And so when you begin to... Now, see, I know there are many things that happen in your life instantly. And you want to know what it is? <clears throat> Excuse me. That happens instantly. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that is heaven's divine perspective of your life. It's more than forensic. Forensic means that it's just been declared. It is also intrinsic. 
However, you have, at that time when all things become new, you have no history or availability. You have never been in that truth realm. Right? You don't know how to walk there. You all think, behold, you've all of a sudden, let's just put this in really clear text. You have been, your progeny, you are, okay, you are the progeny now of the last Adam. Progeny means offspring of the last Adam. Your natural earthly progenitors, your mother and father, they gave you your entrance into this planet. But from heaven's point of view, you now have an overriding gene formation that connects you to Genesis 1, not to September 29th, 1971. Y'all getting what I'm saying? And so I have to have the Holy Spirit to guide me into that truth realm because I've, all I've ever known is September 29th, 1971. And so now, through the cultivation of understanding and revelation that's coming from the unseen realm to where am I manifesting it? Right here. I began to grow that and manifest that in my life. Now, the speed at which it happens is totally congruent. I have found this to be true in my own life, to the speed at which I surrender to it. The speed at which revelation comes to me. Because I will never surrender to something I don't understand. And neither do you. It's just how we're made. So whenever revelation comes and I have this revelation of it, if I, for instance, if you put me on a, let's go three-story. That's, that's pretty tall, but not, you know, death-defying, right? Three-story, maybe two-story. Let's go two-story because I'm scared at three stories too. And, and you put me in, how many of y'all have seen the show? Here's a great. Y'all have seen the show, um, oh, my gosh. You've seen it. Science fiction. Oh, Lord. Anyway. They have the fourth, they have the systems, and she's a, never mind. Okay, you put me on top of a building. I know, it's a terrible explanation. You put me, divergent. Okay, you put me on a, on a building, and she has to jump. The first person, they look in, and it's dark, right? They don't know what they're jumping into. So she was the first one to jump, so she jumped into it, and she was caught. The revelation she had to just jump, but once the revelation was there, she had no trouble surrendering to it. You see what I'm saying? Because then later on in the movie, she brings her family back. She's like, I know how to get in. Come on, just jump. There's a net. That she tells them, there's a net down there. Just jump. And so what she had now from experience by revelation, she easily surrendered to. See, that's what you do. When you have experience by something through revelation, you easily surrender to it. So I will never manifest something as long as I don't believe. See, that's why belief is so important. I have to believe that it is. And then I automatically, it's like trust exercises. I mean, if I put Mike up here behind me, I trust him emphatically, I would just fall back. If I put one of you up here, it's not that I don't trust you, but I'd be wanting to go this. Are you sure you got me? I don't know. Let me check your strength. Can you do a couple of push-ups first? I'm going to need more experience with your muscle strength. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to pick probably Cherry. She's little. I'm going to say, you know, the ratio here. I'm not going to pick Shelby. I'm going to pick Clint. If I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, Clint, come here. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, he works out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to desire, I'm going to decide whether or not I feel like this person is trustworthy. See, that's why it gratifies God because once you have chosen to put your faith in Him, you've gone through all those processes. You've determined He's trustworthy, trustworthy, trustworthy. 
You've determined that he's going to, that he will, he's safe. You've chosen his character over all other. You chose his cup. You chose his character over every other thing that you could have chosen. And he was gratified. And when he's gratified, you know what he does? Wow. He just starts releasing blessings. He can't help it. It's just blessing starts to overtake you. And then you become the blessing that's on your life. This is where I want you to get. 2023, the, because of your faith element. The blessing that's on your life, when blessing overtakes you, because God just can't help it. He just can't help it. It's who he is. Blessing overtakes you. You can walk in a level of blessing that when other people get near you, they recognize it. Now, this has happened when Mike and I went to Scotland. We went to this little bitty church in the middle of nowhere, Montague, Texas. When I say nowhere, 100 people nowhere. Had probably 20 people in the church. We went to life class. We knew the guy who pastored the church, a non-denominational church. And so we went to the church, and in life class, it was a conversation, just tying, maybe 10 people in life class. And then I said something during life class. I said something about giving to the Lord is making an investment, and the Lord gives the return on the investment, something along those nat- that nature. But when I said it, I felt the spirit release. I didn't just say it. The spirit said it. And I turned to Mike, and I said, the spirit of God just spoke to someone when I said that. I felt it. I felt virtue. You know what I mean? Like when Jesus said when the woman touched him, he felt, I felt virtue go from me. I was like, whoa, I just said something. And so after church, the man came up to us after church and he said, when you said that, the Spirit of God impacted me. I felt it. I knew it happened. He said, and I want to support y'all. I said, well, okay. You know, he said, how much do y'all have left to raise in your budget? We said $1,200. He said, I want to take half of it. Well, that's scary, and that's a big, that's a big amount, $600 a month. He said, I'll take half of it. He never missed, ever. And whenever um, we talked to him afterwards, he said, from the moment that I connected with the two of you, this is what he told me, I'm not saying, I'm not, he said, when we connected with the two of you, he said, my life, he said, doors that had been closed forever just started going, He said, resources started flooding in. Favor. Everywhere I went, there's this favor. He said, and I am smart enough to know it's because I touched, I took a hold of y'all. And even after we came back from Scotland, he wouldn't, I mean, he said, this is what I know. He said, anywhere y'all are at, I'm going to be connected to you. Now, you think, see, now that has nothing, he's not today. That, That season ended. But for years. What was that? I didn't give him a sale. I didn't do anything. Didn't do one thing. All it was was the blessing that was on our life. When he threw obedience, see, it wasn't some manipulation. He didn't go, oh, when I do this, I'm going to get that. And he made a choice of I'll do this to get that. 
he listened to the Spirit of God when Revelation, he operated in faith and he surrendered to Revelation. And that whole process of faith opened up doors in his life that had he not done it, he operated in the seen instead of in the unseen instead of the seen. That's how faith works. He didn't get a blueprint of do that. Now, you could go out here today and try to find people to do that to get what he got. It won't work. You see, you're just trying to work a system. That's a seen system, not an unseen system. What you need to be doing is saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me opportunities to believe you and to connect with faith. And I'm telling you, y'all are going to have to get out of the scene to do that. If you're only ever going to live there trying to work a system in the scene, you're not, you're faithless still. See, faith is operating in the place of the unseen and, and it just happening. And sometimes you give over here and you never see anything. And other times you don't. You just, it's just all in the unseen. That's why you need a truth guide. The Holy Spirit. So as we close today, we have to be living the resurrection. Living the resurrection. Living from the unseen to the seen. Taking every thought that's not obedient to Christ and making it obedient to the cross. Do y'all have any? We have one minute. Who has a comment? Any comments? I want, I want us to begin to say, Lord, give me revelation. That's, see, that's the blessing of Abraham. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Everywhere he went, Abraham, because of his faith, everywhere he went, he was a representative of the unseen realm. And I'm telling you, the best way for you to get in the unseen realm is you've got to get out of yourself because self is squarely occupying the seen realm. How does it feel? How do I like it? How does this work for me? What's this going to do for me? What are others going to think about me? I want you to hear God, obey God as though there's nothing on the other end of it. You know what I'm saying? And let God reveal the unseen realm to you and then through your life. We're dismissed.